Hey everybody! What's up? Another week of Radier Squeezer. That it is. We survived, and the the podcast bounced back. It had low early numbers. I was worried that no one liked the Transformers. No one really I liked. Was quite confused. The Instagram shit, but uh, a, a fan of a friend of ours who's a fan of Transformers said is the the Michael Bay movies kind of fucking ruined the fandom. Did they really have that much effect on it? You think? I don't. I don't know shit. I never I, really it definitely been... diluted the um, web. Like I know, like when I would do my research or look for clips, you really have to filter through, like the last ten years of Transformers, uh, to find the gold. Yeah, it, for me and for a lot of it's people, like strict strip mining. You have to take all those layers off. The first few seasons of the cartoon, the movie, and like everyone says, Gen One of the toy is uh, is is the money where the money lies in Transformers. For me, where the money lies in Transformers is a toy that hasn't even come out yet. It comes out in a few months. Ectotron. But it does look. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's pretty sick. Uh, so yeah, we had to bounce back the the levels. The numbers started low, but they kind of level out to basically oh, good. what everyone everything else is. I was getting worried. I, I figured I didn't even chalk it up to Transformers. I just figured people got sick of us, and that I found more comfort in than people not liking Transformers, because that would make sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're sick of us, but it's like now now it's a it's a part of their day, so or part of their week, so that's so strange. And speaking of sick, I apologize. You're going to hear me slurping a lot. I am, I am consuming tea today. Uh, tea? Why is that? I feel like I'm losing my voice. Oh. It's getting a little dry and tight back there, so I'm going uh, full Jean-Luc Picard on you. Oh, okay. Um, it's from Star Trek. Ah. <laughs> they're casting um, somebody on the FX show that has to do with X-Men. I guess they're just... I guess they're trying to wrap up all their their pieces. A uh, few things I heard. Well, I didn't hear. I just read on Reddit, so I don't know how true it is. But test screenings, well, test screenings of Dark Phoenix have bombed. <laughs> it's not good. Um, and meanwhile, they're wrapping up that X Men show on FX mm-hmm. since in its last season. And in, in its last season, they're introducing Professor Xavier. As a character, so they're casting uh, Professor X again, third time. And uh, oh, actually, like Patrick Stewart. Well, they should. I bet he'd do it. Oh, oh, I thought that's what you meant. Like, it was, oh, no, no, because he was he's the uh, Professor X. Yeah, but um, of course, uh, uh, Marvel and Kevin Feige are going to adapt it and recast it. There's no way that they're not that they, we won't see a new Wolverine in like two three yeah. years. And I'm all for it because sure. I love my X-Men and I want to see what they would look like in their actual costumes now that we're in a place where we don't all have to look like we're in the Matrix. It's it's just going to be tough because there are a couple casting choices that they made that were absolutely perfect and we can't 
I don't know if you can. Well, no, because he said the same. People said the same thing with like Nicholson back in the day with like the Joker and stuff. But yeah, and then like you you're know. always gonna compare Wolverine to Hugh Jackman. You're always gonna compare Professor X to um, right, and just do do like you know. There's so many different incarnations of the of the character in the books that they can like. Who would have thought there'd be a better Tobey Maguire? Obviously, the kid in the Amazing Ones wasn't that great. <laughs> like Spider-Man isn't sexy and cool. He's a fucking dweeb. Yeah. Um, but the new kid, Tom Holland's doing a great job. Nice, great. Um, and you, for all those X-Men movies, any new ones that they make, they could just take the three the original three X-Men trilogy movies and just turn that into ten movies because that's what they were. <laughs> they just took they took like like they found like 10 different comic book comic book storylines and just crammed them into like one movie at a time. And then they took one of they started taking some of the best comic book storylines and bastardizing them. Yes, they and, did. Uh Days of Future Past as well. I liked it, but it wasn't the book was so and uh, well okay, the big disappointment was uh the Apocalypse, X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah. And as an Apocalypse fan, I guess uh, Feige really like stole their thunder because it should have been called Age of Apocalypse. But then when they did Age of Ultron, um, he kind of stole yeah. their thunder. In the books, you can get away with that. In the movies, people are like, wait, is, is this somehow related? Including- and we've established on this show over time that humanity uh, as a whole uh, is dumb. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, that's why. The globalists, squeezer, the globalists. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'm interested to see where they go next. And, I, I, I'm okay, I got to tell you, I wasn't overly excited for um, Captain Marvel. I haven't, I haven't been super... I can't remember when the last I was pumped for Venom, but I don't remember the last time I was like super excited for movie. I love uh Black Panther, of course, uh the mm-hmm. um Infin- Lost World. Infinity War. Yeah, the Lost <laughs> Jurassic World probably. But Oh yeah. Um, I'm That's not what, yeah. I'm not like oh head over heel excited for I don't I, I don't think the marketing campaigns have been very successful for Captain Marvel. Nothing they've done. And see, I love Carol Danvers in the book. She's fucking like a badass, most powerful motherfucker in the Marvel comic universe. But uh, like nothing they've done marketing-wise has got me like, uh, and and I'm not trying to be sexist or racist or anything because I know there's a lot of the bros are trying to try to take the Rotten Tomatoes and shit on it because she made a comment about white males and media. And I completely get that, Brie Larson. I'm with you. There's too many of us out there. Speaking for white males. I, I know of two right now that could uh, you could have stopped doing a show. Right. And our opinions don't mean jack shit, so you shouldn't listen to us because I'm paying money to see your movie tomorrow night. Um, but like, and, and then like, I'm like, I, I went to see Ant-Man because Paul Rudd's so dreamy. <laughs> yeah. But that movie had like levity and like they threw a giant Hello Kitty Pez dispenser and they, they showed that in the, in the trailer. And somehow with that movie, they didn't give away the entire plot in the trailer, in which they're not doing. I'm not saying they're doing that with Captain Marvel, but um, 
movies sometimes have a tendency to do that. And I'm looking at you, Batman v Superman, which, <laughs> which as you got closer to the release date and got more scared of of how shit, how what a piece of shit your movie was, you started giving up every sequence, including up to and including the fact that you were uh, cramming one of the best Superman stories ever into the last 30 minutes of the picture. Yeah. Um, and I guess movie trailers haven't, they, they've changed. I, I'd say in some ways they're better. Oh God. Yeah. A lot. In, 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 in most ways they are better. I, cause I watched a lot of movie trailers for this, for this show, even though it should be about books, but somehow I was able to leave books off my list. Fortunately, because um, there's so much like you can get a paper cut. It's dangerous. You know, I'm all I I I'm all for like Fahrenheit 450. Like we should, you know, books are dangerous, not not <laughs> just for the ideas that they spread, but for the paper cuts they provide. Yeah, you you want nothing to do with I don't I, you could burn all the books you want. I've got I have a Kindle. Yeah, solar flare, buddy. Sorry. Uh, so solar flare. The Kindle is not solar flare dependent. Once you download the book, it's on there. How are you going to charge it? So the solar flare does what? Explain this to me. Oh, it's going to take the grid. A big one? Fry your grid. Yeah, but electricity is not dependent on the grid. Oh, so you're what? You're going to get like a start your own little hydroelectric dam in your backyard to charge up your Kindle? No, but I, I can make a, a, a friction generator on a stationary bike that could charge a Kindle. But you're not going to do that, are you? You're yeah. just going to huddle up and die. <laughs> I'm, well, clearly, that's what I'm going to do. But <laughs> you, you, just, you just can't say solar flare and, and expect that. It's to- my, it, I have two solutions to all the world's problems. One is a solar flare, and two is wolves. And wolves so far have been doing pretty good. They reintroduced them, and they're fucking shit up. There's a great meme um, where it shows like a wolf from that movie, uh, um, Alpha. It's like a scene from that movie where he like walks up to the the fire, representing the first time a wolf like is. It's like the fire is warm, and they have food. Maybe I could befriend them, and they'll feed me. It mm-hmm. says cut to 400 years later and it's like a pug in a little little like <laughs> flower costume. It's it's adorable. <laughs> he it, and it, the, the top's like the meme part is like what could go wrong. <laughs> it's actually a really interesting story. There's a really good documentary I watched on that. I think yeah. it might have been Nachio. And 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 there's another great uh meme enchantress shared with me that I I love. It's like uh, it shows like a, a a cat. It's like nature. Why cats are grumpy? They're nature's perfect killing machines, and we pick them up and give them kisses. <laughs> well, I say it all the time. Olive, just her nuzzling up to you is her. Just she wants to rip your throat out. No, oh, I know that's what she's designed to do. Her, her, and the other her and Schmuffin, um, they communicate like they don't get along really. Because Olive just wants to play and Schmuffin just wants to, her to leave her the fuck alone. But when it's time to get wet food from me, like they they communicate with their eyes. You can tell what they do. Like they look, they're looking at each other. And I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? And then like, and Chan just pointed out that like that's how they communicate. They don't, you know, they don't talk, you idiot. They can't talk to each other. So they use like, like 
their eyes and shit to communicate. And they remember. Schmeffen's clearly telling her, like, be cute and and nuzzle up to the the big idiot. He'll feed us and he'll give us more food than the woman. Um, and that's what they do to me every time. Cause and like, it works. Yeah, oh my God, it works every time. But yeah, that, that they communicate and they, they play me like a fool on a nightly basis. But I like it. I get nozzles. Nah. Yeah, it's cute. <sighs> yeah, nature's perfect killing machines. And I pick her up and I'm like, who's getting me a kiss before I leave? And she gives me a little lick on the nose. It's adorable. Aww. Yeah, olive with one eye. She uh, does this thing where she'll hide since she she's like her whiskers are grown longer on her non her her side of her face without the eye. How, just is there a reason behind that? Like I, we don't know. It's something it's science. We're, I'm assuming it's like compensation, like how your other senses. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like cats use their whiskers for sensory purposes. So she's like the daredevil of cats. Uh huh. So, like, she's always staring at you with half her body. So, like, if she'll be at the corner of the stairs and, like, you'll see half her body with the eyes staring at you and the other half is, like, covered by the wall. And it's creepy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure she's doing it because that's just how she sees, you know, and protects herself. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need that other side to be looking, so she only uses one side. But she's always, like, like... Like, it's like a a cover of a movie where it's, like, the villain's staring at you without their face. But she's always... So anytime you see her, like you're coming down the stairs, she's around the corner and only half her face and body's like like staring at you because she compensates pretty well. Um, It's not to say she's a smart cat. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. She doesn't have to be. I'm very worried. She has the big dumb idiot to feed her. Yeah, right. I'm very worried she's going to suffocate herself in a plastic bag one day, but... Well, that's why they put warnings on it. If she can't read it, tough. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, what else has happened? Uh, I don't know. Do we want to get into all the sad stuff this last week? I, I really didn't. I mean, King Kong Bundy, that sucked. Uh, but yeah. I, he wasn't. Uh, I, I met. We did a show when I started in television. Uh, like a, uh, You weren't there yet, I don't think. It was a sports fest show. No, I would have remembered that. I think it was like 99 uh, with King Kong Bundy. Uh, he was a nice guy. Um, uh, the year prior, that was the year I met The Rock. Oh, with that awesome picture yeah, of you. Yeah, that picture, yeah. When he's got his, his fanny pack on. And um, Luke Perry died, but like I was like, oh, the guy from Sixth Sense? <laughs> the, fifth <laughs> sen- uh, the Fifth Sense? Or the Fifth Element. I mean, what the fuck am I talking about? The guy from the Fifth Element. Yeah, Billy. Um, yeah, I never watched Nine Hundred Two. I never watched a second of Nine Hundred Two. I, I didn't either, but I could understand why people are hurting. And for me, it was kind of like, ugh, he was young. Yeah, yeah. He. Well, I saw, that's, I saw that's last week. Like the mind fuck. He had a stroke. It was like a day or two prior. He had a stroke, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh fuck, he's young. He had a stroke, and then he passed. I'm like, oh shit. That's the way to go. <laughs> I can only hope. Well, it's... I'd rather be in my 90s surrounded by loved ones, but <laughs> sure. 52, man. You, just, you get out while the getting's good. 
He's still I'm he like the, all the pictures they show of him. He was still like young and handsome looking. Good teeth. Good teeth. He'll always be. Yeah, pike. I really don't give a shit what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to hang around and play video games in a nursing home for the last twenty years. Yeah, all right. That's what we have to look forward to now. You know, our 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 ancestors got the you know they had these just shithole like you know insane asylum type places that they get stuffed into. Now, now it's gonna be a fucking party. Oh, okay. we lost uh, Mona too. Mona, Mona who? Uh, oh, who's the boss? Who's the boss? Yeah, that was kind of last week. Was it last week? Yeah, but yeah. it was after we recorded yeah, was, the last show. Oh, you know who else we lost? The I guess you call him the singer, the guy who shouts on Prodigy songs. What, really? Yeah, the lead singer of Prodigy died. When did that happen? Keith Flint. Yeah, lead Keith singer Flint. of Prodigy dies at 49 on March 4th. Oh, man. Yeah, he's only three years younger than uh, Luke Perry. Uh, the oh, board. that is a bummer. Yeah, I was hoping to one day see him perform live. I mean, I'm not. There was a point in time where Prodigy was like the coolest band in the planet. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You're still kind of a little cool. I'm not. So for me, they still are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, did you see the fucking lineup for... Uh... Oh, shit. What the hell was it? Warp Tour? Warp Tour. Are you kidding me? City. Yeah, I, I'm going. Yeah. I'm, be, yeah I'm. Of course you are. There with bells on. It is every favorite band I've ever had in one yeah. lineup. We are uh, Mrs. Squeezers, so. Not, she's not disappointed. She's elated and happy. Um, but well, she would have enjoyed the opportunity to go. I mean, it's like. Any, any other time of the year, if this were a month. Earlier or a month later, we'd be going. It's a, but it's a, I do not want to uh, have a child at. Come on, it would be like having a child Warped at Woodstock, <laughs> having a child at the 25th anniversary of Warp Tour, the best Warp Tour ever. Blink 182, 311, The Offspring, Thirty Heads, Taking Back Sunday. Oh my God! There's so many. Hold on, I gotta. I, I saw. I'm like, this can't be true. This this, this can't be true. No, it's real. It is so real. The lineup is a uh, day to remember. Um, Anti flag, uh, bad religion, um, bowling for soup, circus survive, CKY. Um, I set to kill four years strong, glass jaw, good Charlotte, gym class heroes. Wait, uh, that's what I saw. Why was good Charlotte so low on the list? It's in alphabetical order, bud. Oh. I, I the Mighty, <laughs> Gladio, Less Than Jake, Man Overboard, Memphis May Fire, The Messengers, of Philadelphia's own The Messengers, uh, The Offspring, Quicksand, Real Big Fish, who we might have talked about last yep. week. Oh, she was, yeah, she was kind of devastated. That you didn't know who Goldfinger was? No, 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 that um, she's not going to get a chance to see Real Big Fish uh, at the... Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe we maybe we have number two at Warp Tour. That'd be awesome. Simple Plan, I, I, Sleeping with Sirens, Starting Line, 
Taking Back Sunday, which I said, Trophy Eyes, Valencia, Wage War, We the Kings. Fuck, I am going to be there. Oh, with the bells on. It beats the Mountain View lineup, uh, which is pretty much the same thing, but is missing some, like, like is missing 311 and has All American Rejects, which I like, but 311 is yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. The Atlantic City one looked insane. Yeah. It has some 41 uh, instead. And uh, there's a few others. The used are on it. And the used aren't on Atlantic City, I don't think. Are they? I didn't see them there. No, the used, the used aren't on, they're on the, the Mountain View one. I'm a big used fan. So, no effects. So we'll on... see. Maybe for the 50th anniversary, um, I think it'll be a much smaller show. Fish uh, Fishbone is on uh, the Mountain View one, but no Goldfinger. There's Goldfinger. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Fucking Warp Tour, bring it this year. And it's it's. Atlantic City, so it's two hours from our house. It's Live mm-hmm. Nation, so I have a few contacts there. Uh, I talked to a friend of mine who you know, who that is his show. And you've you've been privy to a, a setup from our friend Pat before, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's got me. He does good work. He's taking care of me for this. Nice. It's his. It's uh, he's he's running this this the Atlantic City one and. Uh, he said uh, he they're flying. I think they're flying him out to the Mountain View one with his counterpart, and then he's he's handling. So, and they're doing like awesome, a, a smaller one-off at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame too. But that's it. That's Warp Tour this year. Three shows. That's how it should be. East Coast, West Coast, Midwest done. Yeah. Um. Ask if he if he could set something up like a a. A labor delivery room, you know, just on the side, like a, a labor tent. Uh, you know, Pat sees me like the son he never had. Well, he had, but yeah. son he ever he always wanted. He'll do it. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. If you can call in that favor, I can. Pat, I'm calling in a lot of know, favors now. A, a cot, an air conditioner. Uh, I was like, hey, Pat, do you see ADA requires? Uh, uh, d- delivery rooms for expecting parents who are, are ready to push it out and they have to be private. What? Fuck! Get someone on the fucking phone and make it happen. <laughs> Me? No! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, I'll let her know. Maybe we'll go. Yeah, tell her it's taken care of. We we got friends on the inside. Or I'll tell her it's taken care of. <laughs> <laughs> who cares if it is or not? Fucking real big fish, honey. Come on. What do you want her first memory to be, or his first memory to be? We don't know what it is yet, do we? We don't. We don't know. No. Yeah, you didn't have. No, one I, of, I'm not. No. You have one I, of those have... white people parties where they reveal the, the gender of their child. First of all, that's not up to you. And I'm not. I'm not trying to be a, a fucking a um, super liberal or whatever by saying it's not up to you because it's like science has proven that that child could come out. And be a completely different gender in its mind than you think it is. So the gender reveal party, I mean, what the fuck? And then if you just paint the room yellow, no matter what happens, you save money. Yeah. Like, why does it have to be pink? We we first of all, 
this this comes from a deep seated thing where oh, I was pissed pissed off as a kid that I couldn't play with littlest pet shop toys because they were considered <laughs> girls toys. <laughs> so I had to sit there and watch my sister buy them while and, and just and just stare at them at the Lanco, just stare at them in their blister packs and their pink fucking cards mocking me and 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 that I can't have Little's pet shop like little minions of mine to, you know cuz back then there was very much like these are a boys toys these are girls toys like toys should be toys in my opinion well i mean look at how many female action figures they released in our toy lines that had female characters oh yeah we got we one you cops yeah. So uh now like if you, you look at one it, like third gen Janine. It's it's funny, like now if you if you're in the WWF toy aisle or WWE toy aisle, um they sell like like Barbie doll style uh women wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I would have owned all those if they were in my day, like Miss Elizabeth and Scary Sherry. Are you <laughs> kidding me? I would have had fucking both of them. <laughs> they were supposed to. Hasbro and and fucking. I'd be trying to buy a Sunny doll. My mom's like, no, no, <laughs> no we're no. not taking that home. No, uh, Sunny Side Up. Squeeze it, you'd mom. Be, I'm so confused. You'd be recreating Sunny Side Up in your basement uh, <laughs> with GI Joe. So uh, the thousand dollar Broski recently came into uh, um, possession. So you know those uh, GI Joe Hasbro toys that were uh, like Barbie dolls. They were the Hall of Fame ones. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I had some. So they were planning a line of WWF ones, um, a Macho, a Hogan, and an Undertaker without the hat. So they'd have like the soft heads and like the articulated bodies of the GI Joes with cloth outfits on. Mm-hmm. So there was there was prototypes made, but they never went to production. Uh, what's, what what what's, year was this? Probably ninety two. Ninety. Okay, that's even earlier because. They, there was there was a swing where they they were trying to bring those back, like Star. Wars. Oh yeah, no 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 uh, no. Hold on, we lost you a little bit. Sixties GI Joe style. Yeah, no 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 no. Those Hall of Fame. That's that's what I'm talking about. Those Hall of Fame GI Joes is around the same time they're trying to bring these back. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was like every, every toy line was kind of trying to like jump in on that. Well. Only hall only uh that was ninety one those Hall of Fame G.I. Joe's came out. And then a few a few years later they did the Star Wars ones. It was only Hasbro. It wasn't every toy line. <laughs> there was some other they're like like I remember um when I worked at KB, some had to get pulled off the shelf because they looked like uh the Columbine killers. Oh Jesus! Yeah, they were. It was like an off-brand, and but they had like the long black jackets and like all the machine guns. Mm-hmm. So what? The trench coat mafia. That's what it was. They had to pull. Yes. They had to pull. So Matt Cardona um, of Thousand Dollar Broski of Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. Um, Zach's Zach. Uh, what the fuck is his? Uh, Zach Riders. Ryder. Yeah, Zach Riders is stage name. So. <laughs> Matt, I only know they only go by their names. I only know them from the podcast. And Matt, they they're Matt and Brian on the podcast. So Matt, from a collector, has he had? Um, I think the Hogan. Now he has both the Taker and the Macho too um, in his possession. So that's pretty fucking rad. And he and he's a fucking 
chill dude that he posts everything on Instagram because that's really what we want. You know, someone because a lot of these collectors hoard this shit and don't post it. Mm-hmm. And Matt will post as soon as he he drops something big. It should on, be in a museum, right? Exactly. He knows he knows that drill, which is basically what Instagram has become. It's a museum for pop culture. Yeah, that's what our page is essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think. Uh, I don't know. He wouldn't say what he paid for him, but I'm sure it was something. I don't know. I'm looking to see if he posted him yet. This was at the Toy Fair episode, so it was a little bit ago. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and look. But um, yeah, that those. Uh, where, where was I even going with that? I don't know. But you were talking about awesome WDF dolls. Oh yeah, we're. <laughs> We're talking about gender reveal parties. <laughs> fucking stupid shit people do. And if you do it, fucking, it's awesome. <laughs> it makes you happy. I'm just uh, there. It is. Yeah, I mean, why why shit on something if it makes people happy? <laughs> the rat, the rad years backpedal. Yeah, right. Yeah, we we should because you and I both are are firm believers, and if it's harmless and it makes you happy, like who cares, right? Absolutely. It's, it makes no sense. Although that, that pink or blue powder, if probably you inhale that, it's probably not good for you. So what, There's there, powder involved? I thought it was just cutting a cupcake open. Oh, there's all kinds of shit you do. Or you can yank the baby out and, oh, look, it's got a, it's got junk. It's a boy. Look at that swing song. Well, well, again, yeah. uh, we're, it's 2019, Squeezer. That doesn't necessarily mean boy. So let's not, let's not pigeonhole the poor child. Let's let's just say we save money by keeping the room yellow, your sister's room yellow. So whatever you are, you're going to enjoy it. This is exhausting. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, just if you want me to throw you a gender reveal party, just let me know. Yeah, if you could let me know what I am. Uh, I'll be in I'll be in Friday. I'll uh, infuriate everyone with the icing and the cupcakes is yellow. <laughs> <laughs> we all pee, people. That's your gender. Uh, yeah, so this is basically me just pissed that I couldn't play with Little's Pet Shop toys. <laughs> That's where this deep-seated anger comes from. I don't know why you just didn't do it. I played with Polly Pockets. Oh, I played with them. I played with them, Squeezer. It's the Mighty shame. Mighty Max, neither the girlfriend. It's the shame That's I felt. That's first, the first real relationship I ever had in my life. When I remember when Polly Pocket came out, I was so jealous. I was like, that is like the coolest toy ever. I, I love how you're jealous of girls' toys, which makes up 10% of the market and they're all shit. And meanwhile, we have yeah, Masters but, of the Universe, Ghostbusters, Transformers, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe. We have everything. Squeezer, it's, o- had Barbie. it's always what you can't have that you want. Most girls' toys were the kind of shit that you would sound like the end cap of like yeah. the aisle well, at the I, register. I never. I, I mean, they're better now. Now you get you, you get like um, like what, what were we looking at when we were doing that story at Target? Oh, all that the uh, the, yeah, the food truck that, for that. the the doll food truck. Yeah, but all all that shit all is the at the, it, it, they, they sell, they're microtransaction toys is what they are. <laughs> Because you have to buy piece by piece, and it's all that that reveal shit, all of it. 
Oh, it's that brilliant. That um, those LOL things that you don't know what yeah. you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but we do it too. The blind bags for like collector fungo shit. I'm yeah. sorry, I do it. <laughs> you do it. Um, I walk by the Marvel table and sample their coffee over and over again. <laughs> you did. You wanted uh, our first year. We went to New York Comic Con. There, there's they had a, a peddlers of. Uh, Marvel branded coffee in these little Dixie cups, and <laughs> Squeezer is like Homer, where he takes his <laughs> toothpick out <laughs> to grocery store. Oh, he had a couple, two, three of those per walk. If I could have bought a good cup of coffee at the Javits Center, I would have, but it wasn't an option, so yeah. I took the samples. They didn't seem to care. They're like, take more, take more. No. It- I was I was like, ugh, coffee. A bunch a bunch of beautiful people hired through an ad agency and talent agency to stand there and pretend they like comic books. Yeah, I'll take free coffee you mean, from them. You mean like hmm, the oil on these roasted beans is succulent? And everyone else is like, where should I want that Spider Man on? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone by everyone I mean me. <laughs> I see Captain Marvel. I see Iron Man. I'm not seeing Spider Man. What's our topic this week? We kind of. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce this one because this is your. This is my baby. This is my idea. So if this this show fails miserably, it's my fault. But I'm under the tense belief that there are two authors that everybody in our generation either read or lied and said they read. Mm hmm. One of them is not who we're talking about, and I think he's got a show uh, under our belt in the near future. That's Stephen King. Okay. Oh, I was going to even tease a little bit, saying that this guy also directed a movie. <laughs> right. So the maybe other, not as well. So this guy's like Stephen King. He directed a movie, <laughs> maybe not on as much cocaine, if any. Um, he's written a lot and, uh, he's had a lot of successful movies. Um, and the show's dedicated to everything about him. So it's about all his properties that he created. And it is... Have we talked about any of his stuff on our show before? I don't think so. I think this is the first Hmm. time we're ever mentioning him on our show ever before. He happens to be my favorite author. I've read, um, probably 90% of everything he's ever written I've read, uh, including his Posthumous books. Uh, yep, we're talking Michael Crichton, Jules Verne, the man, the myth, the legend. Rest in peace. He died too young. Michael, well, I, I, it really made me feel old when I realized he's been dead for over ten years. Yeah, he died. I That's think a mind fuck. He died the night, like a night or two before Obama was elected president. November, f- well. When was he was elected November November fourth of oh eight. And he was elected November fifth or fourth. I only know this because Enchantress tells me she broke up with a boyfriend that day. She wasn't um in the politics or so she didn't really care about Obama or anything. And uh and she was a big fan of Crichton and he died. It was like a bad it was a bad day. Uh, that yeah. was a bad day. That hit me hard. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, me too. I was like, no, I love because because uh, you make fun of me for not for not reading books, and you even made fun of me for this episode. Like, what am I gonna be able to talk about? 
Um, <laughs> but I did. I had to actually run down. I'm like, no, I actually read these books. I just like the paper ones with the numbers at the bottom. Well, see, I just read next at that point that he just released right before, he, like a year before he died. And it was probably my least favorite. It was still great. It was long as fuck. But it's probably my least favorite Crichton book. But two years prior, like I, he did State of Fear, which I bought. I have a signed first edition of. Oh, cool. On paperback. My dad got it for me for my birthday. Yes, I'm that kind of Crichton nerd. Gotcha. Uh, and Prey, which is my top like three Crichton books. Prey is so fucking good. If it wasn't for Jurassic Park, Prey would be my favorite Michael Crichton book. Are they going to do anything with that ever? 20th Century Fox has the rights to it, um, but I don't know if they're doing it. I was starting to kind of dig. I'm like, this seems like it's it it's made for. It. And I get after when I read Prey, we'll 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 get to why maybe it didn't become something immediately. Yeah, well, it's uh-huh. it's one of my picks. I don't want to get into far into it, but oh, okay. All right. um, but yeah, I, then of course timeline is my another top three timeline Jurassic Park and Prey are my top three favorite uh I love Airframe Lost World is a favorite first half of timeline is awesome <laughs> Disclosure is great Rising Sun is obviously great Jurassic Park Sphere Congo see here's the problem with Rob- Rising Sun I read Rising Sun before you're um, old enough to appreciate it yeah I, I so Jurassic Park the movie came out and that was my introduction. Of course, it's my introduction to Michael Crichton. So mm-hmm. I read uh, the actual novelization of Jurassic Park and I'm like blown away. You know, and then I read The Lost World right away. So now I'm trying to find anything. Wait, did else you read there. the novelization or the novel? I'm sorry. I, no, no. Actually, I did read the novelization. Yeah, I remember you telling that story. Yeah. Yeah. But I also read the, the novel. novel. Right. Uh, I read I read the novel and then I read The Lost World and it was like blowing my mind like wow these are words on pages and I can use my imagination this is awesome um, and it's not like the shit that they made me read in school like I'm enjoying this and I'm ten at this point um, and then I took on uh, a bunch of others like I did Congo and then uh, uh, Congo I saw my yeah, first Rise, one Rising Sun and. Rising Sun for like a 10 or 11 year old, not a good read. Mm-hmm. Here's how Michael Crane worked for me. Uh, I saw Jurassic Park and then you realize it's a book and you read the book and you're like, shit. And then the next movie that comes out, I believe is Congo. Mm-hmm. And you read Congo and you're like, oh. well, yeah, so, sorry. I didn't read The Lost World in 1992 because it wasn't out yet. 93 because it wasn't out yet. Right. I read the, uh, so, <laughs> um, I got The Lost World. Michael Crichton. All right. Let, let me break it down. Um, Jurassic Park break was, down. was, was, you can do the degeneration. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Um, so Jurassic Park was released June 11th, 93. I was 11 years old. Uh, mm-hmm. The Lost World was released in novel form on September 8th, 95. My mom bought it for me in hardcover for Christmas that year. So I got it December 20th. Ooh, you had that, the fancy white one? I still have it. 
Oh, that's right. I, I've You've seen, it. seen it. Original cover. I have, fir- I have first edition. Um, so my mom bought it for me on uh, uh, for Christmas. So I got it December 25th, 95. If I may interject quick, when you realize Jurassic Park was based off a novel, my experience was because you saw the movie. You knew it was coming because of all the marketing and all that shit and all the junk food cramming down your throat and the toys and the movie. But then you're at the grocery store and you see the book in the rack at the grocery store in that aisle. I I think I got my brother got our copy at book fair. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. But like that's how I learned. Like I'm walking through and I see this big thick book right. of Jurassic we knew, Park, not realizing what it is. I thought it's the movie. We were kind of tuned in because like it and Pet Cemetery and The Stand were like huge. Everybody had those books from our local library like they were huge they're like they were like fucking the bible they were so thick and okay. and also like the bible they're very scary <laughs> and um the great reads though squeezer fuck man you gotta read the stand you've never read the stand i saw the movie or the made for tv whatever they did to it <laughs> no, there's nothing even um uh, the Dark Tower, which is like the sequel, uh, it's not. I like the movie and Die who who's. A, I saw Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, with the Green Goblin. Yeah. Um, and the coach from Mighty Ducks was in it. <laughs> so uh, everyone was reading those books. So like uh, authors and movies were very. I think it. The, the correlation was pretty much there at that point at 11 at, even at 11 like we're that young even if we couldn't comprehend it to like be seen reading it or the stand or pet cemetery or or a carry and for that matter or cujo was like a cool thing back then and then jurassic park came out and michael Crichton became that author so everyone had that copy of jurassic park and i remember mm-hmm. reading it and the word fuck was in it. I thought that was so cool. Like I was Oh, I remember running downstairs and going to my parents, like, they say fuck. <laughs> I'm like reading to it in the book. Like right. so proud that I read it. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was something. And um so I at some point in between there, Congo was released as a movie. And um hold on, I'll tell you exactly. Uh, ooh, adaptations. Uh, when the four, right? film version was 95. So the film version came out. I film, know, well, they shot it 94. Film version was released June 9th, 90, 1995. So I had, I read Congo before they released Lost World. Because I saw Congo and I remember we had this stuffed, my neighbor had this stuffed gorilla that looked exactly like Amy. And like we would, we would like pretend we were on Jurassic Park for like the summer after that and then came this movie yeah i'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie i was 11 then i was 12 maybe getting to 13 but we still played pretend and you know we would carry around this this gorilla and pretend i was talking to us like we we're <laughs> i'm still obsessed with congo the movie you know that yes which we'll get into in a minute uh but you're the only person that has that entire figure collection i believe i think i am and uh we'll get into that in a minute and um, sorry, Congo came out in ninety summer of ninety five, and then that was the book I spent that summer reading. And that was 
a tougher book. And when I went and reread it a couple summers ago, I was like, I was in there, and I'm like, this book is so fucking great. He's such a great writer. And then, but I still love the movie. I, I, I worship that movie. And then that next Christmas, I read Lost World, and I was so fucking excited because the Lost World was so good. I was, I remember, I could remember like vividly laying in. I had like a lo- a metal loft bed, so it was like a bunk bed, a twin bed, mm-hmm. and it was it was like a me- shitty metal frame, but underneath was like a desk and like a shelf. You know, it was like a room underneath the bed. Yeah, and then you climb up a ladder and you'd be in like what would be a bunk bed, but there's no one underneath. It's your, you're like a, it's a loft bed. Yes. So I remember like being in my loft bed or like vividly reading this, just like couldn't put it down at night because it was just so good. And then being let down. And I, I, I till this day, I, I, I don't know if I'm so let down by the movie because I read the book first. Yeah. I think I, I'm in the same boat as you. I read it first. I, I read The Lost World before the movie came out, and I was expecting something different. But and and in hindsight, I I but as a movie now, I love The Lost World. I do. Because Jurassic Park three came out. I still don't. <laughs> I still can't watch either of them. Like I watched I, the first half, and then like when it goes off the rails, when they bring the T Rex back to California, I'm like, what? The? I can't. Well, I can't. Um, I I can't watch. I can't watch three at all. <laughs> no, it kind of hurt. The the cell phone in the tummy uh, uh-huh. kind of took me out of it. Uh, I I still cry at Eddie getting the part. It's like just the most heartbreaking. It's it's better in the book though. Yeah. He gave his life for them. So yeah, I mean, we were lifelong, and then I remember. When uh um and I gotta see when it, I'm gonna quick look when it came out, uh, disclosure the movie came out and I realized it was we had I, I've mentioned before we had pay per view channels where they were free we didn't have to pay for them because my dad was an, an engineer and his job was to monitor the stations and um, so we had free pay per view so yeah well this. Movie came out. I'm trying to. What was the film of that? 1994. I was 12. So you can imagine uh, the. And so it came out in theaters December 94. It probably hit pay per view, probably around the spring summer of 94. Right. Well, the movie came out in 94. Yeah. Really. Uh, disclosure. And and it the the book came out. So like that was in development while he was still writing the book. What? Or the book was done because the book was published in ninety four as well. Yeah, the book came out in January of ninety four and the movie came out at the end of the year. Well, at that point he was, you know, a hot Oh my you know, god. They had a they, had, they was, were like down yeah. his throat like what's next? And it was Barry Levinson. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. But it's very uh sexy. And yeah. Demi Moore and the scene where he rips her underwear off and everything and it's uh, but then like you get like completely enthralled in this virtual reality world so like like it's as as much as you think it, you'd be watching it for naughty purposes like I was more into the whole virtual reality world that he was in <laughs> opening like databases and looking for things 
So I I was so deep into Crichtonverse by like ninety five, like he was everything. Like reading, getting, going back to books somewhere, the used bookstore, and getting Crichton books, and like they were re releasing his old stuff that he wrote under the nom diplôme, his like medical books and everything. And I was reading them, mm-hmm. and they were even fucking good. I didn't even fucking understand half the shit I was reading. <laughs> no, right, but I still. Well, that's what he did. He was brilliant at taking science even pseudoscience but making it real right. so uh, to say that when i was thinking squeezer uh about shows we can do i was trying to think of things that were important in our lives when and during the round years and uh to say that crying isn't a huge part just going over what we just talked about is ridiculous he deserves his own show. We just did a show. I, are, are we are we done? <laughs> We're not done. We just did a show talking okay. about just not even our picks as to why Crichton is such a big part of our our youth. Well, we did dedicate an entire show to his probably biggest property. So. Yeah. One property. I could dedicate a whole show to Congo. And speaking of, let's talk about uh. my first pick. <laughs> Over here, Amy. What is it? Amy wants touch, stroke. I don't understand it. Sign it again. Pat. Oh, sure, Peter. Pat Amy? No. What? Hey, you know, I think she wants to touch head. Touch head. Pat I? Amy wants Pat C? Oh, Pat C. Yeah, there we go. Pat C? Pat C. What's, what's Pat C? I don't understand. She's getting tired. Pat C. Hey, they don't always understand me either. Uh, so Congo had a lot of tie-ins and they, that was the same gorilla from the movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. That had to cost a lot. It was a, it was a person in a suit. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was, it looks like I thought it was a gorilla in a suit. (laughs) That'd be pretty cool. So this movie had a Taco Bell tie-ins. It had Pepsi tie-ins. But it had a Kenner action figure line that was basically ripped off of the Alien and Jurassic Park line. And it was in and out of theaters, or I'm sorry, stores so quick that there was not even a fucking commercial that I could find for this line. For the toys? Yeah, the, the toys. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even in KB long enough. Right. Yeah, I don't. I, it wasn't in the like ten for ten for five dollars lineup, which I think that's where if anyone owns them now or has them to sell, that's where they got them from. I have the well, entire. You you got the shipment in to KB, and then they take them over to the wall, and they see them like, oh, we don't have any room for all these alien figures are still here. <laughs> Let's put them in the back. So the alien figures sat there for four years. There was uh, I have the, I have the whole collection on blister packs. I don't own the vehicles, but as I'm listening to um, major major wrestling figure podcast, Squeezer, you shouldn't allow me to listen to it. First of all, no, I know. it's a bad influence on me because these guys make more money than me, but they spend recklessly. One of them, uh, Matt, spends recklessly like me. Why and, would I stop you? Yeah, I know. I, I when I when I tell you not to or when I try to stop you, it's always with a wink. <laughs> it is. I, I live vicariously through your frivolous spending. Right. And I, and it makes me happy. I love I love having these guys. I love buying back 
parts of my youth one toy at a time. And um, these Congo action figures. So they're uh, Matt and um, Brian's philosophy is let your figs breathe. Like, oh, take them out of the package, display them. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking of, and I, I, I can't bring myself to take any of these guys out of the package. So I'm thinking of buying a second set. I'm all for it. Two plus two things I never. There's two vehicles. So I'm gonna read to you uh, out of the Kenner Toy Action Guide for Congo. Yes, they had a page in the Kenner Toy Action Guide. Mm-hmm. Lost in the deepest re- reaches of the jungle lies a dark secret journey with the heroic Congo explorers to the lost city of Zinj. We're already on like the longest run-on sentence ever. <laughs> We're still going. Not no punctuation whatsoever. With oh, its okay. legendary diamond mines, period. Whew. Beware the ferocious Zinj apes who viciously guard the treasure, comma, destroying all who come near. They're hiding in the jungle, sp- uh, dash, watching and waiting. In the Congo, you, all bold caps, are the endangered, endangered species. Mm-hmm. So in the main set, you have... Amy, who is probably the hardest fig to find. This is the hardest one for me to track down. She's the main gorilla who speaks with her sign language pack. And she's got mm-hmm. the like, little glove and the backpack and the vest on. And it, it's a pretty good picture. It's a pretty good figure. You've seen the Amy figure, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's Karen Ross, who comes with a giant alien gun and looks like she's basically <laughs> a Congo carded alien action figure. Um, there's Peter Elliott, who looks like Robert Muldoon. It it is a Robert Muldoon. It's Robert Muldoon with a different head. That's all. It with is. a different head and like some sort of weird backpack and a giant gun. Then there's uh, um, Monroe, who I don't know who he is, but uh, is, it, is it either Ken or Ryu? Yeah, and he's got two guns, and and one of them is some sort of claw tracker. And there's Kahega, uh, who's his, his, basically in the movies, his number two. And he's got a bazooka and like a handgun, a lot of weapons here. Then there's yeah. the two uh, angry gorillas who they trademarked Blastface and Mangler. As if, Squeezer, as if they were going to make a fucking cartoon out of this. Was that the plan? I, I, I couldn't find proof of it. But the fact that they trademarked Mangler and Blastface as yeah. the two main villains, like they gave them names. In the also, mo- looking at the, I'm sorry if if I may cut. I'm looking at the back, uh, back of the card. Yeah. Uh, well, well, no, we'll, I'll let you finish. We'll get okay, into. Okay. So uh, don't I, let me forget about vehicles. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm talking vehicles next. So they also have the two deluxe figures, which I have was still their KB. Uh, um, Stickers on them. The Deluxe Bone Crusher, that's another, that's like the main villain, with mm-hmm. a Zinge ape and a Deluxe Monroe figure. He's wearing like a security vest and he's got some sort of rocket launching backpack. And he also has a Zinge ape. Whatever the fuck they are, I don't know. <laughs> uh, then there's two action figures. I'm sorry. It's like when Ghostbusters came with the little ghost for the trap. Yeah, right. That's what exactly what they are because. You're going to need them when you have the two repainted Lost World <laughs> or um, Jurassic Park toys, the Net Trap Vehicle and the Trail 
hacker vehicle. Oh, wait, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't know how I, I skipped this. The, the Karen Ross figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I'm looking at my Ripley figure. It's the same body. It's the exact same body. Yeah, same body as Ripley. Exact same body as Ripley. Yeah. Which I'm not complaining because they're awesome figures. Yeah. And they, I think they even have the same gun. The weapon, the flamethrower. Yeah. Yep. Although I think uh, Karen's was more. Was it supposed to be like a laser cannon? It was supposed to be the diamond cannon that's the in diamond, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it was cool. Because with that figure, it swiveled at the hips, and the whole the gun holster had a little hole in it, which a little pin in the flamethrower would lock in. So when you would <laughs> twist, the flame would come out. Oh, that's pretty cool. I sent you a. Yeah. Once you take it, when once you get a new one, and you take it out, you can play with it. It's pretty awesome. Oh. I sent you a picture of the two side by side. Oh, the side by side. Yeah. Let me. Oh my god. Yeah. I remember. You no, know it was cool about that too with the alien ones. I remember. Um, it came with a sticker pack. You had to put the stickers on the flamethrower. Oh, yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, the 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 warning stickers, like the caution stickers. Okay, the flamethrower. It's a slightly different mold of the flamethrower, but it's the exact same. Uh, yeah, every, everything's actually a little different, but for the most part. The thing with Ripley's flamethrower is it was two separate pieces. That gray piece could pop off, and I always used it as a separate gun. Oh, really? And yeah. Then, and did you put that Flam 7 sticker on it? And the... Hell yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're a little different, but they're pretty... They just reconfigured Ripley and made yeah. Karen Ross with it. And fuck it. It's it's a great figure. I love it. She comes... uh, you know, there's some differences. The belt, the, you know, the bandolier and the neckerchief. And, yeah. I mean, it didn't take much, but... I think she comes with the diamond, too, for that gun. I have it downstairs. I should have pulled it upstairs, but um, it's a really fun line, and I and I feel like, and and what's big, and they talk about this on the the major wrestling figure podcast a lot. It's uh, uh, fig photography. Like I feel like if I get a, a second set of these with that with the the vehicles, mm-hmm. I could do some pretty. Okay. Well, f- here I was actually thinking about this yesterday when I I was, I was standing around watching. Uh, the Phillies game on your uh, super villain like TV screen. Um, you, that that credenza that you have. Yeah. I want to turn that into a giant diorama. Yeah, there's. That's what I was saying. There should be scenes on there, but also like, like all I, I, all your figures and there's this big empty space. I'm like, I can build you a world. Jason, Jason, our friend Jason, who's two offices down from me, he's in the he's in the fig photography, but he's mainly Star Wars, uh, Black Series. And uh, we were talking about it. Like he, I was like, "Why didn't you bring some of your figs? You could we could have got some good Hoth shots out today." He was pissed he didn't. But like, like I feel like I want to do some Congo action figure fig photography. All right, are Let's you down? Book a couple tickets to the Congo. <laughs> oh, you're adorable. All right, what's your first Michael Crichton pick? What you're seeing isn't really happening. Richard Benjamin and James Brolin aren't cowboys. They're vacationers in a fantastic resort called Westworld. Mule Brenner isn't a gunslinger. He's a robot. Westworld, where you can act out your every fantasy. Hold it! And where nothing can possibly go wrong. Let me do it this time. Go wrong. Go wrong. I'm shot. 
go wrong, draw. Westworld, rated PG. Go wrong. Oh, okay. So, here that trailer proved one of two things. One, we're right. Trailers did get better. That that was rough. Um, Yul Yul Brenner never stopped being creepy. What's that? Yul Brenner was so fucking creepy in this movie. He's so creepy, so creepy. It was awesome. I thought you were Um, talking the new show. The new show. When you asked for Westworld, I I thought you were going to talk the show. No, no, no. I'll mention it in passing, but I want to save that because it's perfect for down the road when I want to do this weird convoluted title of reboots and remakes and should it have been done and we can talk about that and we'll figure out an actual title that works um that you know that can be brought up uh, and i will you know mention it in passing but no i was specifically talking the uh uh westworld 19 the uh what the hell year was that 1973 uh michael crichton uh directorial feature film debut because he did direct a made for tv uh, uh movie of the week uh, a little before this, but this was the first time right, that Crane, he get off wrote your high horse. something We've all and done directed it. Yeah, say he, what? Say what? I said, get off your high horse, Crane. We've all done one of those. I, oh, well, yeah. Before earlier, I was saying none of us picked Twister. He wrote that, and yeah. I and I get shit on a lot, but I like Twister. So Twister is a um, a. Uh... Uh, I, there were there was I think execution is what hurt Twister. A bit. It, it was uh, too, done too early. A little too campy. Yeah. Uh, finger of God. Um, finger of God. Finger. I fucking love Twister. Uh, but yeah, right. we uh, honorable mention Twister. We don't. It's not that we don't love it. It's just that there's there was so much Crichton shit to talk there about. There Was a lot to go with. Right. I, like I like when I was telling Enchantress that. Uh, what my pick? She's like, wow, you managed to get that out of this. I'm like, well, I'm, gonna, I'm like, we could do a second Crichton show. Yeah, probably. And I didn't want to do Twister, and because it, it comes off the same as thing with like the Congo figures. It sounds like we're shitting on it, but I do adore those oh, figures. I, I, They're I, awesome. I love them. I have them all. I, they, I, Absolutely. Um, I, I love them so much that I bought the originals, uh, for Aliens. Yeah, three, uh, three offices, <laughs> three, three offices ago. Remember the my office upstairs in the old building. When I had them oh, yeah. like behind me displayed, yep. Like you come in and I was like an evil villain. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That was the only thing I miss about that building. I love that office with the floor to ceiling walls and yeah, and just being uh, a thousand miles away from everyone. Everybody, yeah, I know. Now I'm just like, oh, <laughs> everyone just come in and sit there and talk to me all day. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but we, I wanted to talk vehicles. Um, y- you know those. Uh, that the net trap vehicle and that trail hacker vehicle are Jurassic Park vehicles as well. We said that. We did. Yeah. No, we skipped. Out. We we, we did said we get back to vehicles, but we didn't talk about it. I did talk about it. Oh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> you were not paying attention to me. I was like, when the just... hell did you say that? Uh, I got to go back and listen. Yeah, to I was like, I'm really. Just... I'm concerned. I just lost thirty <laughs> seconds of my life. <laughs> I was like, they're just repaints the Jurassic Park ones. Oh, I was probably looking down on my phone, looking at like the repaint of uh, Ripley. But I actually had the trail hacker vehicle. <laughs> oh, you're you're very adorable. You're, sorry, yeah. sorry, fans. I did say that. If you're thinking like, wait, he did talk about that. Wow, 
You're right. I did talk about it. Can you go back and edit out the part where we actually talked about it so I sound like (laughs) I was right? Sure. Thanks. Um, That's your friend. But yeah, so Westworld, and this is a movie that was, see, I don't want to say, I want to say it's before it's time. But when you already had something like the Twilight Zone out there, that like this, this is a perfect Twilight Zone episode if you think about it. Um, but it's also a great story, and it really, it, it, it doesn't have nearly as many layers uh, as the new Westworld. And then I don't get me wrong, I absolutely adore it. It's my favorite show. I can't wait for it again. It's got like my favorite actors like in it. Everything, it, it everything. I love about it. It works. Uh, at the same time, yeah, it is exhausting because there is so much to it. Um, Westworld 1973, uh, Crichton just wrote a screenplay and directed it. Uh, they even asked, like, why didn't you uh, write it as a book? And he thought he felt it seemed more like a visual um, than as a book. In hindsight, maybe maybe he didn't have it entirely flushed out uh, in his mind, because like, whereas the TV series, the HBO series, deals entirely with like AI and uh, uh, self, uh, what's the word? Indulgence. No, well, yeah. Oh, that's a that's uh, yeah. Uh, these uh, violent delights lead to violent ends. Um, but like it deals with AI and uh, uh, self determination stuff like that, where Westworld 1973 is more about uh, man and machine and who controls who and what happens when you like w- what happens when you lose control uh, when there is no control that's the illusion, you know what I mean? Uh, it sounds like a line from it sounds something familiar. I've seen. Um, it's, so wait, there's an amusement oh, park. Oh, I know. It's about this movie about this guy who had a flea circus. Yes. O- honestly, I want to say like that was almost like a little shout back to Westworld. Um, but uh, Richard Benjamin and James Brolin are tourists at a thousand day, thousand dollars a day, uh, to go to this amusement park where you get to reenact, you know, either the old west. Or you can go to Roman times, which they clearly establish in the movie when the woman's is getting hot and flushed and her husband's looking at her, that she's just going to get ravaged in Roman time. Uh, and then uh, uh, medieval uh, medieval world. Um, and they, they go to Westworld, which is the Old West. And there's robots that they can go around and they can play cowboy. And they can kill them, and they bring them back. And there's a cool scene where, like, they bring in like the the Joker team uh, uh, newspaper van and a uh, uh, work light at night, and clean up all the b- robot bodies, and they start fresh the next day. Uh, but there's a malfunction, and it's co- the my favorite scenes in this movie are actually like the uh, the lab scenes. And the control room scenes and the scientist scenes. My favorite scene like, that is the scene that freaked me out as a kid. Yul Brenner when he pulled off his face to show his robot innards. Wow, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's legendary. Um But but for me it's like the the techno babble behind this. Uh there's so much of it. And I, I realized watching this movie actually is really slow. 
Oh, God, um, yeah, it's a slog, yeah. Yeah, and what I realized is is because Crichton was so in love with his idea of, with the idea of it. Not, not, not the story of things going wrong at the park, because that's where you have to create, like, the, you know, the action and, 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 and the, the climax. With, and they didn't but, have like, the money just, for that. Yeah, but uh, the the idea of of the park itself and the science behind it, he like I <clears throat> I like to think that he would love what they did with this series, you know, for as deep as it goes and the science behind it so and the tech behind what, it. What's... Everything is based in a sense of reality. All right, what? Give me a give me a is how where does the movie in the series like cross paths? Well. That's kind of because like, the series does throw a lot of Easter eggs and stuff, and even like Ed Harris, the man. No, I mean Black, like story wise. Story wise, uh, Delos runs an amusement park of various. Uh, I mean, I mean, really, it, it basically, the the TV show is based off of the movie, just much deeper and richer. You, I mean, you have. Now time and a budget to go into it and build on it. Okay, so it's um, pretty close. It's 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 a close. It, it's the, it, it's the very close, it, but it goes much further. Whereas it feels like Westworld, the movie is, uh, there is a um, what they describe as what the hell did the scientists call it? Do, 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 I got my note. A disease. So they talk about a, a disease in the machinery, and um. They're like, no, it's just a machine. Like they're in 1973, they're talking about computer viruses, and they're making it like the scientists that built these machines don't know what they're talking about until the one even divulges like right, right before the cuts. Like we had other machines build these machines. We don't know what these machines can do. Right. So it's almost like they're. It's. It, I mean, it's very Jurassic Park. Um, like the the idea behind it. Uh. I think it, uh, one led from what I know, from what I read on uh, something you might not have ever heard of Wikipedia. Uh, hang on. Oh, there it is. I I read. I don't know where I read it. I read somewhere that uh, this the this script and this movie uh, pretty much influenced the idea for Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. It it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Um. And but uh, if you had like Yul Brenner versus a Velociraptor, ugh, unless the Velociraptor has uh, acid and a medieval torch, I'm putting my money on Yul Brenner. Uh, and it's cool as a. Uh, um, I feel like there's scenes like they spend so much time cutting back to just these like tracking shots across like the technicians and the scientists like just blurting out terms and 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 techno babble and just numbers and code kind of stuff that mean really nothing to you but it adds so much depth to the world like this is a real working theme park and immediately took me back to all the lines like samuel jackson in jurassic park where he's either like doing like the headlight check and stuff on the truck or he's like the the keyword stroke stuff or he it, just these little details that they talk about um, that adds so much depth to it, uh, and and that that's what I love about it. And I felt like he did. I realized he spent so much time building on that that when it came time for like the climax of the movie, 
it was Richard Benjamin running away from Yul Brenner for a bit, splashing him in the face, and then setting him on fire. Hmm. Like it, it felt like there wasn't. I watching again. I'm like, I, I love everything about the idea behind it, and I'm like, I just wanted a bigger payoff, which I really hope HBO gives me. Please don't lost me, people. Please don't lost me. Don't lost um, me, people. Cool little tidbit about this though. Um, Westworld, the first movie to uh, use uh, CGI in a film. The first digitally rendered images in a film was Westworld in 1973. What were the images? So it's actually a POV. So after uh, uh, he throws the acid in in the gunslinger's face, uh, Yul Brenner then uses his infrared detector to try to track Richard Benjamin as he's trying to escape. And it's a POV shot, so they do a POV of what infrared would look like. So they, I guess what they did was they they took each frame, like a couple minutes at a time, captured that, and then digitally painted, I guess, like uh, different um, shades of oranges and reds over top of the images uh, in the film to match like the uh, you know what an infrared image would look like so wherever Richard Benjamin was standing they would paint it a little uh, a, a darker red and then they would trans- like put that back in that's what I'm assuming I'm a practicals kind of guy I don't know how computers work um, but yeah they said it took I think eight hours of work for every couple seconds of video just like to do that little bit of it like basically something that you and I could do with our phone right now in a split second. Uh, yeah, just tapping the screen in in an app and it, it'll make that effect. Yeah, or you could put little like bunny ears and a nose on it. Which is um, adorable. But And it serves a purpose. It makes humanity better. Um, but yeah, that was the first time that it was done in 1973. And it, it's fitting too that it was Westworld that did that. Yeah, I think so. I would think it's fitting that uh, Crichton, a Crichton project would do that. All right, uh, and 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 a hell of a debut for a, a feature film. Not gonna lie. So I really don't have. Um, my ne- my next clip is about uh, my my next pick is about books, and there's no clip for them because they're books. What? Uh, so uh, enjoy this commercial of a Michael Crichton McDonald sign. Something big is coming to McDonald's. Something of such enormous proportions. It could only be called the Jurassic Park Extra Value Meal. Okay. Let's see. An enormously juicy triple cheeseburger with fries and a medium drink in one of six free Jurassic Park collector cups. The Jurassic Park Extra Value Meal. A dino-sized value for a dino-sized appetite. Hey, what's mine? What you want is what you get at McDonald's today. All right. Man, those were the good old days. Movie tie-ins mm-hmm. and junk food. So I'm talking about his posthumous, posthumous books. Yep. Yeah, the posthumous books. All right, first let's start with Pirate Latitudes. Uh, I read this book basically over three days at my pool after it came out. How the hell do you have time? How do you read a book in three days? 
Um, it's a good. It's a really fucking good book. Uh, so wait, three hundred. You have that's three hundred thirteen page. You read like a hundred pages a day. Yeah. I'm on like the ten page a day plan. So uh, he was apparently working. No one really knows, but there's evidence that he was working on this since the 1970s because he he'd keep mentioning he was working on a, a a pirate story based on Caribbean pirates of the 17th century. Uh, it builds on uh, actual events in maritime records uh, when the English pirates out of the Caribbean port of Port Royal attacked a fortress on a Spanish island in order to plunder. Um, uh, a ship filled with New World gold, basically, and treasure. So uh, it falls this, in, in 1665. Captain Charles Hunter is a, a privateer. That's what they called them back then, not pirates. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the governor of Jamaica. And back then, like, I don't know, it was just a, it's a cool read. And it's a bunch of rum drinking, ships, ship sailing, Kraken fighting. It's it's just a fun read. I don't want to give out too much information on all these, but uh, this was a really good one, and, and it was exciting. I pictured it. You know, was, I, I always like I always have to like picture actors in my head. So like, obviously, if I've seen the movie and I'm rereading a book, those guys are pictured in my head. But then I like I throw people, but just because Captain Charles. His name was Captain Charles Hunter. I was picturing Hunter Hunter Hurst Helmsley, (laughs) DX, in my head. And I was like, fuck, man. He would be perfect for this role. If you read it, if you read this book and picture Hunter Hurst Helmsley, like Triple H, in this role as Captain Charles Hunter, I think think it would help you get through the book pretty quick. All right. I'll give it a shot. I mean, me personally, uh, I'm thinking uh, for this one in particular – uh, Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, and Johnny Depp. Right, but if you want to, if you want to, re- uh, like, hear a good fucking story, then like, this a is good fucking story, a good Pirates of a Caribbean story. Okay, uh, so oh, of course, we're getting a little blue. Spielberg, after he died, Spielberg had like went, w- w- bought all his the rights to everything he has, and he intends to make this movie. We'll see if he does. Think it happens? I hope so. Uh, I would like to do it. Hire me. I love it. Yeah, I love a good pirate movie. Yeah. I, I'm 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 a big western fan, and pirate movies are just westerns on water. So I'm a Captain Ron fan. So yeah, I like gorillas. Um, his next book was not finished. It was called Micro, and it was finished by a man who was a science writer named Richard Preston. This might be one of my favorite Crichton books. Uh, and I know they're making a movie. It's about a, a team of um, um, researchers who are into like this like um, shrinking technology. Who and they're like there's like biochemists, botanists, linguists, uh, eth- ethnobotanists, uh, archaeologists. Wait, how 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 can you you can pronounce that but you can't pronounce posthumously? No, well, it's a tough word. Okay. Fair enough. Um, they're all working on um, these biological experiments, and they're flown down Hawaii, and uh, apparently there's some sort of illegal nonsense, and they're a shrink. And like the best part of the book is them as 
as like small. It's like it's Honey I Shrunk the Kids and Jurassic Park mixed. Hmm. So instead of dinosaurs, like ants and like scorpions and spiders are the fucking dinosaurs. That's a brilliant idea. We should do that in real life. <laughs> I know. It's a very exciting book. Hmm. And um, there's twists and turns and... Uh, are there shenanigans? <sighs> there's shenanigans. And there's like... um. All right. I'm in. Yeah. So DreamWorks SKG uh, has announced plans to make a film adaption. Frank Marshall, who directed Congo, is going to produce a film. He Frank Marshall also produces Jurassic Park and Jurassic World and all those um, books. And Steven Spielberg is developing. And Joaquin Roning is attached to direct. And I think, speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, he did the uh, last one, Dead Man Tell No Tales, or whatever the fuck it was called. I only saw the first two. I only saw the first one. I think so, I saw the second one on a bus trip. So the last book is called Dragon Teeth, and it was released in May of 2017. It was found on his star drive. And this is probably, this is so cool. You would love this book. There's so much, like, history written into it. Um, hmm. Enchantress bought it for me on uh, Kindle for my birthday. And it's, uh, uh, I think he wrote it, started writing it in 1974. So it's set in the American West in 1876 during the Bone Wars when, when people were fossil hunting. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a, between two actual real people, Nathaniel Charles Marsh and Edward Drinker Cope. And um, it tells a story of this man named William Johnson who is on one camp and then falls another. And, like, all, like, the best Wild West characters that you know are kind of, like, written into this. It's really good. Like, it's, it's like, a, it's like a, such a good Western. Ah, oh, shit. All right. It's a quick read, too. It's not that thick. You can uh, 320 pages, 365 days a year. I'll have this done by next February. So yeah, Deadwood, uh, a lot of the characters in Deadwood and, 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 and in the Wild West stories alone are in this dragon. So pick up Dragon Teeth. Good book. All these books. Every crane book. I'll Read buy them. it. All right. So let's go to your next, your second pick, squeeze. Uh, here we go. The song makes me feel like rushing to someone's bedside. Uh, it makes me feel smarter than I really am. <laughs> A lot of songs make me feel smarter than I really am. Uh, fair enough. Um, yeah, man. E- ER was, I mean, it was a phenomenon. It was huge. And, I mean, it won, what, 23 Emmys out of 124 nominations. Um, this show, it dropped in 94 the same time Jurassic Park was still riding high, it was number one. 
Disclosure was out on book stands. That was number one bestseller, which I don't. Does that count though? Because aren't can't aren't there like thirty bestsellers at the same time? Let's count. I, I count it. It's official. Okay. I I mean it it was like it was the number one bestseller, but like when I say like bestseller, you, I'm like if the the Cliff Notes version isn't out there, you know, eh, I'm not really interested. Yeah. No, uh, and then uh, ER was on uh, the number one show on TV. So think of how busy Crichton was in 94. Like, he was flying high. Like, Jurassic Park was still a, a beast, you that know, was, six that months was later. back when VHSs cost, like, $50, so they would keep a movie in, in there. And he yeah. was number one. Uh, fuck him. Fuck him and his money. And his talent. <laughs> fuck and who and his money? Crichton. <laughs> Fuck him and his money and his <laughs> talent, and his success. I've tur- it took. It well, t- I mean, it took me a, a, a quarter of the episode to turn on him. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you and your success, your hard work and dedication, right. your education your and education. brilliant mind. Fuck. I don't have that, so. Fuck you, you. You think you're better than me, Green? <laughs> All right, pull the plug. We're done. Pull it. All right. Oh, we'll start a you bull show next. Um, well, if he gets, if his estate now would even get a dime of the $3 billion that ER grossed, I mean, that's absurd. I mean, that, that's, I mean, well, now you think, but that's like video game money, not, you know, at once, but like franchise wise, I mean, TV shows didn't make that, doesn't, don't make that kind of money. Um, because when you think about it, they're not – I mean, you're getting advertising time, but it's not like – they don't look at it the same way. You know, it's not like a ticket sale thing or a, a DVD sale thing, although I'm sure the ER box set is quite fantastic. Um, it, it Look, it, I didn't watch it um, religiously. I mean, I, I was a kid at the time. I was out – I was watching Seinfeld, motherfucker. N64. Or watching Seinfeld, which it was battling with uh, for the number one spot for some time. But it it was on the same network, and it came on after Seinfeld on the same night. So once Seinfeld... I'm talking, but like number-wise. Oh, yeah. Ratings, yeah. Once Seinfeld was over, I I rarely watched. I watched like Suddenly Susan. I never watched Friends. I wasn't a Friends fan. Not that there's anything wrong with Friends. I just never watched it. And once Seinfeld was over, I pretty much... uh, uh, I. Try and catch in living color, and then that's it. Nah, nice. Uh, ER is one of those I tune into when I wanted to pretend that I was smarter than I really was. Uh, and and had ER aired uh, later in the timeline of uh, Earth, or I came in a little earlier to it, I'm sure I would have been, you know, all in on it. Like it 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 was, you know, kind of like a West Wing before West Wing. Right, you know, um, it was huge, and in, in fact, uh, John Wells, who so the show was started by, uh, it, was, it was written by Crichton back in like the '60s while he was still in uh, med school. He was a resident. The, the guy graduated from Harvard, graduated from Harvard Medical, but never got his license to practice medicine because he got very, very, he got very disheartened uh, with how, how uh, rare. Uh, uh, the medical uh, field, all the bullshit, the money, the the uh, 
the drama, if you will. And he wrote a script uh, for a movie and nothing happened with it until him and Spielberg were, you know, they're buddy buddy and they're working on Jurassic Park. And then they're like, oh, well, let's also get this, you know, medical show up and running. Um, and Spielberg signed on as a EP uh, for the first season and uh, got the show up and running. And then, yeah, John Wells took over uh, as uh, the executive producer. And then John Wells would also go on to be showrunner uh, for uh, West Wing uh, for the last couple seasons. This show is just, I mean, it's excellent. And it's drama. It's well-written drama. Like, it's 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 story. It's not just a guy coming out on TV and saying, hey, I'm writing something for next season, and it's going to make you cry. We all know what I'm talking about. Um, hmm. It's also on NBC. Um, but th- this was... Like they had moments. I was I was watching for my research. I it was nice and condensed. There are, are things on YouTube where they just have clips of like the top fifty most dramatic moments of ER. And I'm like I'm sitting there. I'm like my gut is wrenching. Like oh I can't handle the emotions right now. It hurts my soul. Um, and at the same time with all that drama came that uh, sense of realism because everything like with the Crichton what like Crichton's work it's so grounded. You know, like they they stayed true to the the medical science behind it. You know, they didn't come up with all this weird, crazy shit, and uh, um, they weren't like miracle workers. They were real surgeons mm-hmm. with um, you know emotional problems and drama. Dun, 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 dun. I just forgot um, the song. We just played it. Yeah, it's such a good, it's such a good little tune. But, I mean, 15 years is a long time for any show. And for a medical procedural, um, and, I mean, and the cast changed hands a couple times. Like, you know, uh, you know, George Clooney was only there for the first couple. Well, no, he was there from 94 to 99. <clears throat> you, you forget, like, you think George Clooney's been a giant movie star forever? And I guess he has. But only for like the last twenty years, you know. Like he he was a big star in ER, but and then he started. When was uh, uh, what the hell am I thinking of? Roseanne. Why am I drawing a blank? Robert Rodriguez. Oh, oh uh, from Dust Till Dawn. Dust Till Dawn. Thank you. Wow. Ooh. Uh, I was in late. your head. I knew what oh. you were doing. Thanks, buddy. Get out now. Um, and, uh, you know, so he was doing some other projects, and it wasn't until 99. And I think it was like, oh, brother, where art thou? I think, was that like his first real big, like, I'm George Clooney on my own now kind of thing? I think it was Batman and Robin. Well, no, he was still doing ER when he was doing Batman and Robin. Um, yeah, this guy was Batman and and a trauma surgeon. I mean, he's a detective and a doctor at the same time. How crazy is that? Uh, and then you know, and then the oceans movies and stuff, you know, right. took off. Um, but it's it's funny. I had this weird thing. Like, really, George Clooney wasn't like a giant, like a like uh, a list movie star until like two thousand. Out of sight. That was his big one. Yeah. What year was that? Ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. With Jennifer yeah. Lopez, Steven Soderbergh. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, Eric LaSalle with, like, his ninja moves in the open is, like, legendary. <laughs> his little hi ninja punch. Um, and then, you know, and then you go on and you have Noah Wiley who, like, takes over the show and becomes, like, the face of the show for the longest time. And then you get John Stamos and Scott Grimes. Which I won't complain about. Oh, you had Mackay Pfeiffer in there. Uh, it, it was just... I mean, it, it was a, a, a huge cast, made some massive stars. And also, I, I just feel like it shows like this that, uh, I don't know, it just, it, good TV is, it, it's funny, like, you take it for granted. There's some really good TV on now, good smart TV. Uh, we're, I, this is the golden, I don't, the platinum age, I don't, I don't know. T, TV sucked for a long time. And TV sucks now. And anyone that says, oh, TV is absolute garbage now compared to what it used to be. No, no. TV is so much better now. It's just there's more of it. Now, instead of 100 shows, there's 1,000 shows. But we have 100 really great, fantastic shows, and there's 900 pieces of garbage. Yeah. Back then, you had two really good shows and, you know, 900. I forgot what numbers I used, but you know what I mean. Yeah, we know. The math checks out here. Joel Siegel Rose. Timeline is pure popcorn fun at the movies. It's Braveheart with a 21st century twist. Fasten your seatbelts. This is a breathtaking thrill ride. Timeline. Rated PG-13. Now playing in theaters everywhere. Mm. That was a TV spot for a piece of shit movie. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the rad years. We're trying to be positive here about... Stuff I know, but Michael Crichton himself, he uh, disliked this movie so much that he refused to license any more movies based on his books. Uh, and no one gained movie rights to a Michael Crichton book until he died. And then Steven Spielberg, a longtime friend of Michael Crichton, got the rights to some of his books. Well, um, let's just say if Steve, if uh, his buddy Steve would have had the rights to Timeline, maybe it wouldn't have been the Timeline that we now know and right. don't love. Right. But uh, so Crichton uh, did something really weird. He offered the film rights for free, provided the movie enter in production immediately um, because he back ended the deal to the for the book that the script be used the like the the book be used for the the script so basically he sold the book on that that it would be used for a film hmm. so he the film rights whatever for he made no money off this movie that's probably another reason why i hate it well to be fair no one made money on this movie right you if he, he would have been cut a big check for no reason off this movie i'm sure he wouldn't have been so pissy about it sure but, um, the back end deal uh, was set up that uh, the the script went out for for the film rights went free. Uh, he hated the fucking finished film. It so was, was he just like points in the back end kind of thing? No, it was to get it was part of the deal. Like at that point, they knew Crichton movies were going to be big. So like we'll pay mm -hmm. you a big chunk of money for this book, but we need. We need a, a film to be made of it immediately. Oh, so the basically the publisher Wanted was the film producer. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense now. Yeah. I, from what I can gather from what I read. Uh, 
It was such a piece of shit. Oh. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've never seen it. It, it, I, I watch it a lot to get mad, and I get mad at it every single time. It's so bad. <laughs> like his, historical inaccuracies, uh, uh, just just. And then Dick Donner, you think like he'd do a better job of, but and apparently they recut this whole movie on him, just like Superman two all over. Um, mm. uh, and then like the whole like language thing is just basically ignored in the film, even though like they figure a pretty clever way to do it, and, and, and like. English as we know it was not spoken back in the fucking 1300s. In the 14th no. century, it was Octane and uh, uh, um, the version of French and everything was just it was just not spoken. They had these high tech no. translators in their ear to to get around it. And they just called the one guy who spoke English to them like modern English. They called them Irish because that's what they thought it was an Irish dialect because <clears throat> they didn't know about it. There was no age of information, so they didn't know what a real Irish person sounded like. So just assume that was Irish. Spoilers. Yeah, I think I got that far. Um, but no, I mean, even even from what I read of, see, that's what spoiling the timeline is. I started reading it, and then I read about it, and just reading about it was, it got praise from historians, who of the book, who gave it a ton of respect for its both the the actual like accuracy, the history of it. And the accuracy of the historiography, like the science of it, like, and the difficulty of it, like understanding like medieval ages and shit. Mm. And then you make a movie about it where it's the book is so like he researches the Middle Ages, the the Hundred Years War era, the the Fourteenth Century so well, and mm-hmm. then and and then like quantum uh, computing and and time travel so well that this movie's just a fucking joke. Um, but that the reason I brought it up is because I should tell you not to bother watching the movie and read the book. Now I really want to go and watch the movie more than anything. Uh, you brought up something to me that I didn't even know existed. Really? Yeah, I didn't. This is first, it was on my radar. Here it is. This is a theme here. This is the theme. This is this is the best part of this, um, which uh, a shit ton of money went into. Uh, this is <clears throat> the theme to the timeline uh, PC video game, developed by Timeline Computer Entertainment and Eidos Interactive, uh, directed and designed by Michael. Directed and designed. Yes, he was the game designer. So he's not a good video game designer. No. It is a very particular job set, and not everyone can do it. Um, Just because you can be a brilliant author and screenwriter, and now say decent director, directing a video game is a whole different thing. And... uh, I didn't yeah, even know look, this. I don't, a, like, did this actually get released? You're telling me this got released. Yes, yes, it was released. It was released. There is video of you can go online and watch people play it and critique it. It's hilarious. Um, you can look at screen caps itself and determine what you think. Now, granted, this was 1999. 
So don't compare today's graphics. But, I mean, you could compare it to graphics from a game from 1992 and not be impressed. Um, look, we just we just shit on Timeline the movie um, by comparison. I don't want to be held responsible for passing judgment uh, on Timeline the game. So I will let Michael Crichton do it himself via everyone's favorite mathematician. That is one big pile of shit. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's a good setup. Thanks. Uh, yeah, this this is rough. Um, I, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to like front yo. Uh, that's what the kids say nowadays. Um, I never played this thing. I didn't know this Do game they? existed. Yeah. I, What's that? You didn't know this book exists. I, I think you might have known the book, but you didn't know. And, no, I, I knew I, no one, that game see, for a while. Here's now. the thing. Here's how how no one knew this game existed because I was like, I am. Who's a bigger timeline fan than me? That you it's know. It's called Balls Deep. Yeah, I love Deeper Balls Deep and Michael Crichton. Time and I'm no, I mean I'm like timeline in, in timeline in his work, not yeah. in him. I've, that, I, that's just rude. I've read it four times. Uh, I've read it a half a time. So, so you've read it eight times more than me, I, and I had no idea this game existed. What's the? How or do you play it? it? Or should it? Um, you don't. Um, so they say. Un- I was reading reviews. I have a couple reviews here and uh, some news stories about it. You can slug through this thing in an hour and a half, two hours if you're not good at video games. That's not good. Um, the replay value is not there. So the whole, basically the, the general idea of the book is there, only without any of the actual science. So like the, the whole entire science aspect of timeline is thrown out the window. Ah, so the good part. Yes. So basically all you are is a time-traveling ass looking to save another guy that's stuck there. That's the story. Uh, the graphics are rough. Uh, the gameplay is horrific. It made me so sad. Um, the, the <clears throat> So you can't kill anyone. There's no blood or any violence in the game because if you were to kill anyone, you would alter the timeline and, uh, you know, you can't have that happen. But from my understanding, timeline the book was horrifically violent from what I read. Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, as soon as they get back in time, people They're start immediately decapitated. Yeah, people start dying, and uh, there's like a scene that's really chilling with this like big giant guy with this deformed head and armor, and, and an axe to the neck. That's like, yeah, it's gruesome. It's awesome. Oh, I gotta read this. Yeah, I gotta check this book out. I'll check my email. Um, yeah, I think uh, Gordon hooked you up. Shop, Mr. Thank Shumway. you, Gordon. Um, no, 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 his friend. So th- they signed a deal. Let me see if I let me pull this article. Uh, Eidos Interactive, uh, who is now uh, uh, owned by Square Enix, um, they signed a deal with uh, uh, Timeline uh, Computer Entertainment. What an original to name. produce what an original name. Well, it's because it was founded in uh, like ninety nine. Uh, 
basically the plan was for this company to produce video games of all of Crichton's books. Okay. Um, Timeline, the video game, is the only title ever released by Timeline Computer Entertainment. You don't say. Yeah, I don't say. Do do everyone do yourself a favor. You have to go and watch it. There's some great people online just what, playing this game and ripping into it. It's hilarious. It's rough. And if you're listening and you worked in this game, uh, hopefully you've moved on. Uh, it's rough. And moving it's, on uh, is a good thing. It's what we should do. Oh, we should. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on we, too much. We, uh, definitely do yourself a favor. Just go and watch. I, I can't. I can't say enough about it. Go and just watch the gameplay uh, of the timeline. It's out there. All right. Uh, here's my next pick, and I'll explain it afterwards. Impossible. Dinosaurs been extinct for 65 million years. Don't look now. New Jurassic Park edition Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Now with delicious new cinnamon sugar dino tracks. A 65 million year old part of this complete breakfast. You can get it before it's extinct. And now, free Lost World Dino Chomping Spoon. Four to discover. One in each of these specially marked boxes. So, uh, General Mills had the license for uh, Jurassic Park. Park the Lost World in 1995 when it came out. They uh, put tie-ins to all their cereals, so those chomping spoons. They had these cameras, fun time 35 millimeter uh, Kodak ones that you would like take your picture. How to catch? Uh, how can you catch a dinosaur in the wild? Uh, they had those chomping spoons. They had the awesome, super fucking rad cinnamon toast crunch with uh, uh, dino tracks on them, and then they had mm-hmm. their special. Cinnamon, um, not cinnamon, cinnamon, um, Jurassic Park Crunch Lost World cereal. And that stuff was freaking awesome. Uh, it was basically like Lucky Charms, which is made by General Mills. They, used, they didn't use a corn based oat uh, cereal piece, it was oat based, which if, oh, you, okay. yeah, you, if, you're, if you've been following my cereal, you know that's a big thing. <laughs> um, it was a uh, sweetened whole grain oat and corn cereal with marshmallows. And the marshmallows were uh, prehistoric shapes, triceratops, velociraptors, uh, T-Rex, and hatching dinosaur eggs. <clears throat> I remember the hatching dinosaur eggs. Right. The main pieces were looked like footprints. And uh, the big thing about these boxes were they had like this text on it that if you opened it, if you open this box and hear a roar... You could win a Lost World adventure. So I, my memory is my sister and I walk like in the aisle, like like shaking every single one of these boxes, trying to see if one of them weighed more than the other, just like because we were bored and we wanted to win this Lost World war. And my mom bought it because at this point I'm like I'm like 55 and so she's buying me whatever I want. No, I'm, I'm like 12 years old when this came out, so I, I she's like, yeah, get this cereal. It was it it's basically tastes pretty much identical to. Lucky Charms is a little different with that corn mixed in with that oat base. That was pretty good. And, um, <laughs> and no, there's a different, di- you're laughing, Squeezer, but I could I do. put you through I, it. The only, I only know what cereal tastes like if it's Captain Crunch. 
That that's oat and corn. Yeah, that's the oat is what. Oh, okay. I actually bought myself a box not too long ago. I ate the whole damn thing. That's delicious. It took me like two months, but I, I eventually ate a box of cereal. I think I might go out and get myself another box of Captain Crunch. You should. I got the Frank latest one, things. the chocolate berry one. I got a rev- I have like ten cereals to review for the fucking website. I got to change the banner too. Uh, we'll get there. Um, but yeah, dr- uh, since this podcast is leaning heavy on the five hour side, uh, and I just wanted to talk about a cereal that had to tie in with Michael Crichton, and it did because uh, there was no Congo cereal, or I'd be talking about that. But Jurassic Park Crunch from the Lost World. Made by General Mills in 1995. Who's saying you can't make a Congo cereal? No one's saying it. Everyone else is making like you know uh, parody stuff or homage stuff. I think you have it in you. You're going to do your cooking show. I think you need to go out and make your own Congo cereal. Um, fuck yeah, man. I don't know what I'll make though. Like I, I think like. Mm, let me let me ruminate. It, it's Next, be like a. a no, 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 no. Don't say anything. Next week, I'm going to come on the show and tell you what my Congo cereal is going to be. Until okay. then. What the cereal is, but I also want to know what all the cool little game. I want to know what the box art looks like. Okay. I want puzzles on the back, and I want my in, <laughs> legit in the box 1980s, early 90s style uh, toy, not some all right. nothing yeah. you get. Next. Yeah, you'll have it all. All right. I will come. We'll start next week's show off with me, like coming coming original, with three eleven playing in the background, and I'm gonna boo your mind. Um, Until then, here's your next pick. They're not human. They kill without mercy. They can't be stopped. Until now. to defeat them. From Michael Crichton and director John McHugh. Antonio Banderas, the 13th Warrior. Rated R. Starts Friday, August 27th. What a great trailer for a... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man. It's like they completely lost, like no one read the book. Yeah. Why that, that's actually one of the reviews is even did they read the book right now they they clearly didn't i and just like um, lost world i don't think they read the book I'm... i mean i'm not gonna you, you throw you throw some uh sword and sorcery in with a little oh fortuna and i mean you got gold <clears throat> i mean basically everyone's just ripping off that scene from excalibur um I gotta put Excalibur. That's a damn good movie. I'm gonna put that on my list for something down the road where I can make it work. It's also got Patrick Stewart in it. There can only be one. No, that's Highlander. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, 13th Warrior. Uh, if you are one that reads books, you might want to call it Eaters of the Dead Light. <laughs> um, so yeah, 13th Warrior uh, came out in 1999. Uh, based off of Eaters of the Dead, starring Antonio Banderas as, uh, well, oh, what was his name? What's his character's name? Where, I lost it. Oh, there it is. I had it. Uh, Ahmed Ibn Fadlan. 
right? Antonio Banderas starring as Ahmed Abin Fadlan. <laughs> yeah, well, shouldn't this guy have been like a monster Nordic dude? Uh, no, right? he should have been Middle Eastern. Oh, was it Middle Eastern? Yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, weird that's a weird name for Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I mean, you could argue if you want to go deep. You go, oh well, you know, technically Antonio Banderas is from part of Spain. Yeah, uh, he could be part more. So you could. Are we argue all that. part more? Uh, not all. I, I'm from Germania, uh, and uh, I got actually I got this uh, uh, 23 and Me. I still haven't opened up yet because I'm paranoid. I would but never do that. Eventually, you'll let me. What's that? I could never do that. Uh, you know what? I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? They already have what they need. I don't know. Just the whole idea of a, a database of DNA, it sounds too much like Hitler for me. It's it's already there. <clears throat> they already have it. All right, I guess you're right. I worked on a true crime show. They already have it. Um, but uh, no, but uh, Ahmed Abin Fedlan is actually a real person in real life. And he was a, uh, a caliph. He was part of a caliphate. So... Yeah, you know, he was a true um, from the Middle East who basically like a reporter of their day was embedded with the Vikings. And like his story was of the, these Norsemen that, you know, he traveled with. Um, what, and what Crichton did was he basically took this guy's stories and th- this guy's life and took uh, Beowulf and meshed them together and kind of told Beowulf from a a faux true history standpoint. Like he created like false documents that it, it's told from, which makes it a, a cool story, which the 13th warrior loses and it just becomes a hack and slash, uh, sword and smoke and darkness movie and fire. Um, I, I remember watching this cause I, I was, there's a time like you give me any movie where someone's gonna uh, cut someone's head off with a sword, and I'm all in. Uh, and Thirteenth Warrior was that lot of lot of heads rolling in this one, uh, directed by John McTiernan, and also directed by Michael Crichton, uh, uncredited, because there was a. Um, what did Bruce Willis like want to put his shoes on and kick himself off the movie? Well, th- there were a few re- there were a few edits and rewrites and <laughs> reshoots. Um, so much so uh, they they brought in so McTiernan did his version of it, and they brought in uh, a a test uh, a couple test rooms. It didn't do well, and uh, they brought Michael Crichton in to actually direct the reshoots and, and make a few tweaks. And uh, $160 million later, you get The 13th Warrior. It's not a horrible movie, as some may say. I enjoyed it when I saw it, and this was a long time ago. And if you take it for what it is, as just a violent, gory, hack-and-slash-in-the-dark movie, it's great. It loses so much from the idea of, like, Eaters of the Dead and what it could have been with... You know, that idea of the story within the story of a story kind of thing like that. All all you had to do was have Bill Paxton on a boat 
hand Antonio Banderas a necklace and go, I found your necklace, and then have him retell the story, and it would have been better. Right. Um, it made $60 million. What did it cost? Oh, yeah, 160 Oh. <clears throat> uh, upwards of 160 Some. They they estimate the losses more in um, the $124 million range, actually, uh, once you take in more additional marketing and stuff like that. Cause, right. Uh, it, this was a, a bomb of all bombs. Um, I like to think that I helped. I rented it. You know? Yeah, I, rented I saw them. I, I rented. I helped them. I rented <laughs> it from Blockbuster. I helped them. Do you know? Did you hear? Now we're down to one. Yeah, the one in Australia closed, right? Yeah. So now we're down to one in Oregon. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's a decent hack and slash movie. Uh, some cool action pieces and stuff like that. Uh, it just for a Crichton book it could have been so much more um if you got time to kill and you just want a, a good popcorn movie where you don't have to pay attention you can see some uh good violence and a handsome young spanish man pretending to be a middle eastern right uh definitely take your time to check it out all right well you know maybe we'll do that uh or maybe we'll read a book or two uh this clip has nothing to do with the book but it's a book so <laughs> i just pulled a futurama clip because we don't have enough of this Ordinary human dating. It's enjoyable and it serves an important purpose. But when a human dates an artificial mate, there is no purpose, only enjoyment. And that leads to tragedy. Nito, a Marilyn Monroe bot. <laughs> You're a real dreamboat. Billy Everyteen. Harmless fun? Let's see what happens next. Billy, do you want to walk your dog? No thanks, Mom. I'd rather make out with my Monrobot. <laughs> Billy, do you want to get a paper route and earn some extra cash? No thanks, Dad. I'd rather make out with my Monrobot. <laughs> Billy, do you want to come over tonight? We can make out together. Gee, Mavis, your house is across the street. That's an awfully long way to go for making out. Did you notice what? <laughs> so, <laughs> if 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 you read Prey, this kind of correlates. It's it's a movie, and I, when I read this book, I'm sorry, I say movie. It's an option for a movie. They have the right. 20th, 20th Century Fox owns the rights. Well, Disney owns the rights now, I guess. Uh, about artificial intelligence, nanobots, ge genetic algorithms, and agent-based computing. And um, <clears throat> Jack Foreman's the software programmer, and his wife works for this company. And fuck, man, I just remember reading this, and there were scenes where I was just like, "Holy shit!" My heart was beating so bad. It was like it reminded me of the time like I first like read and like comprehended Jurassic Park, and like the T Rex scenes were like making my heart race. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> it was. It's it's just this nano cloud that like like can replicate like a costume of looking like a human and make you like thinner and everything and like getting your it's just so good it's so good read pray, um, read Michael Crichton's books people I don't have much to say in my fifth pick except praise probably one of my my three favorite Crichton books are uh, I, I'm gonna put Lost World and Jurassic Park together because I'm a cheater. 
in that sense. Um, Fair enough. Um, but Prey and Timeline. <clears throat> but there's so oh, you put Timeline up that high? Oh yeah, you know I love Timeline. So you're saying I should read Timeline? Yeah, at some point. So I'll check it. And read Prey though too. It's also it's, it's fucking. So Why? So what's happening with Prey that it's not done yet? Like you'd think that they'd be all over this. I think. Uh, yeah, I think the technology's there now to do it. It's really not. It really shouldn't be hard at all. I don't know why they have that. Because it's like a horror movie. It's a horror. It's very techno horror. Mm. Ooh. It'd be great. It'd be great done by like David Gordon Green. Just take it and fucking do it. Write it with, with Danny McBride and, and do it Do it funny and do it well. But yeah, that's all I have for my fifth, fifth pick, Squeeze. You want to take us home with yours? Uh, oh, l- let's go on the train ride. All right, here we go. Sean Connery, Donald Sutherland, Leslie Andown, The Great Train Robbery, Bizarre Escapades, Dazzling Escapes, Daring Adventures, Excitement with Every Tick of the Clock, A Race Against Time, To the All-Time Perfect Crime, The Great Train Robbery, Rated PG, now playing at a theater near you, check your newspaper for showtimes. What's a newspaper? Uh Oh, I, I'm saying the same thing. Uh, I told you I watched a lot of old movie trailers, and oh, they hurt. Um, yeah, so Great Train Robbie, uh, good movie, really good movie. It, it's got like, it's got Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland. What more could you want? And it's got trains. They're awesome. So you got three big stars there. But for me, this is one of those things where I can go back and remember. Actually, I read the book first. Before I ever saw the movie, even though both came out before I was born. Um, and I read The Great Train Robbery in the same like span that like I read Jurassic Park and then I started picking up other Crichton books. <clears throat> and it opened up like I just this is one I remember like in my head imagining creating that little world, you know, because I knew what a train looked like. I knew what a train station looked like, and I could create that set. And it was like this fun little experiment, like reading this, um, like in hindsight, looking back and like remembering like what I thought, what I saw. And then I saw the movie, and it was just it was different, uh, of course. Um, and it just it didn't match up. And it, this was actually before uh, Lost World, I, I you know I recall it. And but it, as in Lost World was just so different. This was along the same lines, just you know. Scene by scene, things didn't match. Um, it's still, it's still a really fun movie. It really is. It's a great heist film. It's a great heist book. Right. Uh, Sean Connery's awesome in it. Don Sutherland. Um, You're best. I love them. They're hilarious. Uh, it, it, it nowhere near the actual true events of the 1855 Great Train Robbery that it's based off of because. Uh, spoilers, uh, they get away. Uh, in real life, everyone went to jail. Um, and it, it's just cool. It, it has all all the perfect elements of a good heist film, of a good heist book. All the little and so I saw some people complains like, oh well, we know that has to happen because in the end this has to happen. I'm like, but you don't know because there are maybe this goes wrong and then they have to do something different or things change and um. It, it's just, it, it it's a different, it's like, a, it, it's strange too, because it, it ventures outside the realm of Crichton's normal work. Uh, right. It's not a sci-fi, and now there's no 
no science behind it. No, um, there. If, when you go techno babble, he does. You, you can tell where what he loves, which is like the science and technology of things. And he's writing a book about something that takes place in the 1800s, and and the detail about the copying of the keys, like it, it plays such an important role. Even like to now, like I don't remember half of what I read in the book, but I just remember all the details involved with copying the keys. Mm-hmm. That meant so much to him, and that was that was his code, that was his computer virus, his DNA. Like that was that part of the story that he had to pick out. And 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 go into detail and create such such depth about, mm-hmm. uh, and it, for me it, that really made the book. Yeah, great book, good movie. Just like, I mean, you can't say good movie for all Crichton, but great book is Crichton's mo. And but he, and, but they could be, they could absolutely. Like I feel like miniseries on HBO, like each season is a different Crichton book, would be fucking awesome. Yeah, and wouldn't you love and and don't get me wrong because in 1993 is like not not the pinnacle, but a very memorable turning point. Like that one of those moments you can point to if you had like you know count on your fingers which one. Jurassic Park for me as a kid like was a founding. It's a keystone. Yeah. Like in me, like what I see in movies and who I am, and as a kid and as a grown man that still acts as a kid, like. I have I still can smell and feel seeing Jurassic Park, you know, yeah, like the drive and, and like just, I remember it. Well, that's why this was such an easy episode for me because Michael Crichton was such a big part of mm-hmm. of our rad years and our youth. So, <laughs> but that aside, I still think how cool it would be to then take. I, and and what I'm saying is, I love Jurassic Park the movie, but if you were to take Jurassic Park the novel. And break it down and make that like an HBO miniseries. Yeah. Well, even Lost World, even even so many, so many of them Lost. just haven't haven't gotten. The proper I shape. just want to see a drunk Muldoon with a rocket launcher. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got the son of a bitch because he when they shot the dart in his tongue, and 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 uh, Gennaro not being such a little puss. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for him. He died of dysentery. Poor bastard. Uh, you kick a raptor in the face and you die on a toilet. And yeah, and Wu just ponder. Wu would die how you would die. Caught thinking what, to himself. Laying there with my intestines in my hands as a raptor's eating them. Yeah, because you were you were just sitting there thinking to yourself. Yes. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, I'm about to die. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, Crichton was a huge part. I think we could get a Crichton at least another Crichton episode next year. Or I year. think. We could, yeah. Yeah. Um. If you like this, let us know. I'm RK at RadYears.com. He's Squeezer at RadYears.com. I'm obviously RK. He's Squeezer. And uh, right. we'll, we'll be back next week with more RadYears. Right, Squeeze? Uh, hope so. All right. We'll talk to you then. Have a good one. See ya.